0: This is episode number 107 with Anne Robinson and Claire Milner. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. Sustainability and resilience go hand in hand. Interestingly though, While many organizations are clinging to their ambitious long-term sustainability goals, the same can't be said for their short-term day-to-day focus. The ambition to treat sustainability as a key business objective is there. However, operationalizing sustainability is just proving to be a barrier to progress. In this episode, I'm lucky to be joined by Ann Robinson, Chief Strategy Officer, and Claire Milner, SVP EMEA of Canaxis, the company behind the innovative supply chain tool, Rapid Response. We're going to be discussing why the inability to operationalize sustainability is a huge hindrance to achieving long-term sustainability goals, why it's critical that organizations start treating sustainability with the same level of importance as other business objectives, and whether the cost of treating sustainability as a key pillar of business strategy can be justified through its ROI. Now, both Anne and Claire have previously been guests on my show, so be sure to check out episode number 41 if you'd like to hear from Anne about Why So Many Digital Transformation Projects Fail, and episode number 27, if you'd like to hear from Claire about how supply chain leaders can plan for the unplannable. I'm very much looking forward to today's conversation, so let's get started. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, We are going to be having a fantastic conversation uh, today with my guests, where we're going to be talking about operationalizing sustainability i love this i love this topic so let let me introduce my guests first of all so uh you will have probably seen them before because we've we've had them on our on our on our show before i've got ann robinson who is chief strategy officer at Canaxis, and claire milner who is senior vice president emia at Canaxis. welcome both thank you yeah thank you so operationalizing sustainability, but before we get there, why don't you remind everybody a little bit about who you are um, and what you do and maybe your journey so far. Uh, Anne, should we start with you?
1: Certainly. Um, so my name is Anne Robinson and uh, I've been with Connexus for about two and a half years at this point. Um, I'm responsible for overseeing the future vision of CanAxis, where we're headed and understanding what are some of those key trends and topics that our customers identify, that we identify with, that we think are really critical for supply chains moving forward. I'll let Claire kind of talk about the nuts and bolts of CanAxis in a moment. But uh, the, the fortunate, maybe the privileged position I'm in is that I get to meet with so many different people across so many different types of supply chains that these issues really bubble up, Um, whether it's looking at from an academic perspective at supply chain, if it's looking at sort of the leading supply chain organizations out there, or if it's newer, smaller organizations looking at how to get started on their transformation journey. And they've all had very similar questions around this topic. We're seeing it bubble up more and more. So my role within Conexus, or maybe one of my roles within Conexus, is to really understand those big trends. So that's why I feel so fortunate to be able to meet today to talk about this uh, this key topic.
2: Thanks. Claire? Hi. So yeah, my responsibility is um, looking after and running the business Conexus uh, in, in EMEA, which is not just about um, how do we grow the business with and finding new existing um, new new companies to work with but also looking after our existing customers and making sure that um, what we're doing from a strategy and product point of view is fitting in with where they're going as a business and i think you know Kinaxis is a company that has been helping uh, organizations transform their supply chains for many many years and we have to keep adapting as the world adapts around us and more and more of the conversations my team and I'm having with, with organisations is that they're, they're seeing this a paradigm shift starting to happen. Um, I think sustainability has been a topic since oh since early 2000s probably, but it wasn't necessarily taken that seriously. But with the new agreements coming out of the Paris 26, they're the new announcements um, that the G7 made uh, recently that um, they're going to make it compulsory for organisations to do reporting um, and just the fact that climate change and climate impacts are, and um, material raw material shortages, everything is changing the way organisations think about resilience and sustainability. It's not just about the environment now; it's also about how does my, like, how is my business more resilient for the future? And personally, I've just started a a course at Cambridge on that subject, and looking forward to uh, talking about it. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but it's it's definitely something that I'm yeah i think we all need to start thinking about Well, you know you know what
0: you hit the nail on the head that's exactly why i wanted to have this conversation with you about operationalizing sustainability it seems as though you know there are many companies that are obviously talking about it many companies that have announced or recognized the importance of sustainability but yet there is a bit of a disconnect isn't there with uh, their sustainability actions uh, and uh, their focus rightly so because of COVID on resilience, uh, you know, as well as cost saving efforts that they all have. So I find that I'm generalizing here, some companies perhaps maybe put in the backseat their sustainability efforts whilst they drive um, resilience and uh, reliability and I guess agility for their businesses. What are your thoughts
2: on this? And, And do you agree? Do you see something else happening instead? I half agree. <laughs> and I I, I I think the last time we spoke, I had this, I had the same opinion. And I think one of the things that this course I'm on is, is making me realise as I'm doing more and more research is that organisations have been working towards becoming more resilient, which is making them more sustainable. And they've not necessarily been focusing on supply chain first. They've been looking at the harder problems to solve, which take more time to solve. Like if we are building cars, how do we change the metal that we use to make sure that that um, is is more sustainable as a a material? And people like Esalen Metal, I can never get that name Mm -hmm. right, and Volvo, for example, have just announced a. a new collaboration because acetyl and have found a way to create um, the aluminium you need to make cars but using no fossil fuels and that's taken them 10 years of innovation with a, cro- a collaboration across multiple sectors to actually come up with and yeah. i think it will see more of this becoming mainstream um, as we come through and it will trickle down into the more operational day-to-day decisions of supply chain now that um some of them maybe the more big the easier job, the easier problems to solve like do we use renewable energy or not i think that's a, fairly, a relatively easy one to to solve um and uh, and now moving into supply chain to more how do we how do we make every choice we make more sustainable and resilient
1: yeah, yeah. just to add to that um so i've, I've got many, many directions i could go but i guess first and foremost during the pandemic during the last 18 months yes we've seen individual Maybe individual consumers and individual companies get away from things like reusable bags and cups, and we've seen an increase in single use items for sure. But I don't think there's been a time in history where we've had such a decrease in transportation and have seen greener skies and species of animals come back that we never, um, you know, we haven't seen in, in in decades. So there's been a real rebirth in some parts of the planet just from the lack of pollution due to the lack of of, of transportation and and burning of, of fossil fuels. Um, and while these companies may have stepped away from their actual day-to-day focus on sustainability very few have wavered from their 2025 2030 commitments whether it was water use or carbon emissions or greenhouse gases we're still seeing those commitments so i think that's partially you know we've had a this conversation claire and i've had a conversation saying you know some people are surprised by the emergence of this conversation but how can you be given that 2025 is now two years closer than when you you initially made, made those claims and you're sticking with them. And we're seeing this acceleration and, and desire to hit those goals. And at the same time, we're seeing a lot of regulatory pressures come into place, recognizing that it's necessary for the planet. So the combination of those two, I think are reinforcing or, or re-energizing an interest in this topic.
2: I mean, I don't know, I would also add one last one um, is also finance and banking. So the investment community has changed over the last two years, whether that's, um, again, through the fact that they've been studying things for the last few years and post COVID, it's now become part of the new future, or whether there's just, uh, um, because of COVID, everyone's been sitting back and thinking about resiliency and and therefore sustainability, but they're I think the investment community and how access to capital for, for large, small, medium um, organizations is significantly changed over the last six so months. It's being and driven, it's driven been. by consumers. It's, it's, it's being driven by
0: consumers as well. And the pressures that awesome. consumers are yeah. making, you know, on on companies, on investments, you know, and, and so forth. Um, can we talk a little bit about the um, maybe I think if I go back to some of the original, the initial conversations we had. Uh, a year ago, I think, when the beginning of this pandemic, we talked about how um, the pandemic had shown a few cracks in supply chains and how businesses were having to build a little bit more resilience and agility. Do you think that perhaps one of the reasons why sustainability is often talked about but not actioned is because they're seeing a lot of companies are using this as a separate thing as as though it's a separate initiative and maybe not something they're building into their fundamental or integral part of their core supply chain strategies. Do you think that's changing now? Do you think, uh, given that you guys talk to so many different people across so many different regions and, and industries, I'd really love your opinion on what you're seeing in terms of uh, separate initiatives or common Goals within supply chain uh, agility and resilience and sustainability. It's a long question, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Maybe <laughs> be
2: clear, I'll yeah. let you
0: answer first. Yeah,
2: I can start. I'll start. So I, I think I think there's an, there's a divergence of, of of what was or what were very separate sustainability goals. I think you were right, Maria. Yeah. That were. Um, that maybe were already being driven top down, but not necessarily institutionalized or organized yeah. in such an operational manner. And um, people were focused on, uh, supply chain in particular was still very focused on the next disruption. And I think these are converging because yeah. the next disruption post COVID is climate change or sustainability or not being resilient enough and as, all, as an organization, which has significant impacts on your ability to get your own products to market. And therefore it is becoming more of an operational challenge now putting that therefore i think the the thinking is changing being able to actually um, operationalize it and digitalize it i think there's also um, that's not quite there yet in most cases Um, it does not help by the fact that counting emissions and things like that in your supply chain is very hard to do and it's not very standardized Um, but i think there needs to become a there needs to now be a divergence between Okay, supply chain is being, it's being plugged into those top-down sustainability goals, but how do we connect that to the digital transformation initiatives that are already getting budgeted, paid for, and rolled out? Because there is a connection. Um, and I think that's that's where the gap is currently right now. And you were going to say something about that? Yeah, I, I so I agree with
1: everything that Claire has been saying. I think there's been a lot of maturing around this topic over the last decade, for sure. You know, we probably yeah. a decade ago, we saw companies saying, oh, certainly we're green, we recycle all our paper. And you're just saying, no, no, that that's, that's fine. But, uh, and continue to do that and plant the trees, but that doesn't actually make your operation sustainable. But the other thing we need to remember is that the workforce has changed considerably over the last 10 years, right? We're seeing more of these millennials, Gen Zs, Gen Zs, however you want to describe Mm. them, Mm. come into the workforce and they are much more engaged on this topic. And almost similarly to your comment about being consumer driven, it's also being employee driven. This younger group is, Um, you know, engaging more on the topic of climate change through social. They are investigating companies more as possible places to go based on their concern for the environment, for the employees, the extended supplier network, for the use of materials. It is core to them because they're actually worried about what their future will look like seeing this rise in natural disasters, seeing this shift in in climate temperatures. There's a recognition that this is a bigger topic that's more important to what is now the largest part of the workforce. So if you marry that with the things that Claire just mentioned, this notion of focusing in a different kind of way have become more critical now. Yes, do we still see some of the, the let's say, older companies going? You know, we need to have a sustainability activity happening here, and we need mm-hmm. supply chain to be as efficient as possible. And however that may happen, yes, we still see those conversations happening. But is it shifting? Absolutely.
0: And and do you think that? I mean, previously we're generalizing. I don't want to talk mm-hmm. you know, specific companies, but there's this general perception that sustainable, I guess, work in sustainability is expensive. Uh, and so therefore the ROI might not be there. If anything, you lift the, you know, the hood, the bonnet, whatever you want to call it, whatever region, and you might find some things that you don't like in there that could be too expensive. Um, do you think that the current risks in not doing something with regards to sustainability outweigh the potential
2: expenses? I, I do, but I also think that organizations need to think about their future opportunity of being more sustainable. The science and the maths uh, is now saying that if you are a more sustainable resilient business then you are a more profitable profitable business moving forward. So whilst there might be a higher incurred cost for the initial transition to becoming more net zero focused, if you're one of the first companies in your industry to find ways to be more circular and to reuse your materials and engage differently with your consumers and have you means you will get better access to capital renewable energy is normally cheaper to buy and um, when you're at certain volumes so there's a lot of advantages for organizations who are first to move in industry um, that will help them lead their industries moving forward so i think that's also what's driving maybe a resurgence in things every companies are starting to realize that um there's a there's a financial advantage um to being first and there's a financial advantage to to being more sustainable and resilient it's not just about protecting the climate anymore or protecting the future depending on what your motivations are um it's now the best way to make money which is like why i think the investment community is is very focused on it as is the as is the banking um community.
0: So the title of what we're talking about is operationalizing here. So uh, when I look at when I think in a very simplistic manner, how we operationalize things, I I try to try to go back to people, technology, processes, right? So let's talk about operationalizing sustainability. What kind of technologies do you think are helping to drive um, a more sustainable supply chain and also a more digitally transformed supply chain?
1: Let's go back to. I want to say the ABCs of sustainability, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle. So, from a reduce perspective, I'd say that's really our a sweet spot as Kinexis. We do supply chain planning. We want to make sure that you are planning the best supply chain possible for your business so that you can reduce your excess and overly uh, that you are using as as your materials in the best way possible to meet your customer expectations. That means having that ability to flex your supply chain where you need to, to be um, agile to disruptions, but you want to be as smart as possible when it comes to that actual use of your materials in a most cost-effective way as makes sense for your business. The reuse, we certainly have seen um, uncommon partnerships start to emerge, particularly over the last couple of years. You know, there is a a airplane manufacturer that was using carbon and the carbon sort of excess was then being consumed by a computer manufacturer that could didn't we only needed small uh, quantities where the airlines needed or the, the mm-hmm. manufacturer needed large quantities so you're seeing that sharing of sort of what's one one man's waste is another's treasure right you're, you're just seeing it there and then um Recycle. The amount of value that can be found in the reverse supply chain in both of my former lives, um, I I witnessed this transformation from junk to value. Um, I worked in a high tech company where we used to to comment that we had a football field size, an American football field size worth of uh, equipment. That was essentially collecting dust that they realized with focus, with dedication, could be either repurposed for smaller industry, could be donated and used in schools and different, so they think of high-tech plumbing. And all of a sudden, this became a valuable asset. So what was once seen as useless was now generating. Um, The the next place I worked uh, happened to go through a similar transformation of looking at that reverse supply chain. Really needed to focus on equipment because I, I was in the mobile industry and you know mobile devices have a lot of a lot of. Um, both through a lot of wear and tear but also yeah. contain a lot of personal information, so there was a real focus on how do you ensure that this is still a viable product. We can either maintain it as is for a secondary market or disassemble it and every single component could then be used if for a different purpose so. Um, it's amazing when you start thinking about the value that can be ascertained out of these different parts uh, of the supply chain um and that was i guess really a combination of everything from people having an interest in an executive level to having the know-how to of, of how to actually disassemble and actually understand the processes to be able to bring those back and then the technologies everything from planning the supply chain forward or reverse to actually that, that, that the technology to actually test and validate and ensure that you still maintain the quality for which you are expected to perform. Claire, do you want to add to that?
2: I would say as well, I think, yeah, maybe just I agree everything with Anne said, I think it's also about partnerships moving forward. So there um not, there isn't going to be one company um that is is going to be able to solve all of your challenges. And I think it's, it's, Pertinent for software companies like Canaxis to build the right partnerships with organizations that are also building out um, parts of their, have additional components and things that they can work with. For example, we have a, a partnership with Resilience 360, for example, that is working on, which enables us to get data into an end to end supply chain view that we wouldn't necessarily be able to get without them. Um, And that's an area that we're working on to make sure that we can add the kind of technology component with our partnerships and collaborations in the best way possible, um, and working with our existing customers to innovate and make sure that we're understanding the process implications of all of these new requirements of being more circular and um, in the supply chain.
0: Do you know, Anne, one of the things that you said about, uh, uh, you know, all that football field of uh, tech gathering dust and through hard work and so forth what stuck with me was the mindset thing you know Mm -hmm. in other words all it takes is to have the kind of mindset that says wait a second this is an opportunity uh and that's how you can we can look at becoming more circular and and unlocking value uh with things that were previously waste um do you think that with you guys as canaxis, already having the mindset as someone that has the technology to be looking at sustainability will make it easier for companies uh to work with someone that can help drive the same goals i mean how important is it is this mindset thing
1: absolutely critical to have the mindset and i actually think that there are a lot more people with that mindset these days than You know the the time of the story that i described for you uh it's that impetus to be able to explore because as you said it does feel risky i'm not sure that it is risky but it feels risky to lift up the hood start Mm -hmm. down any digital transformation journey feels a little daunting and this quite frankly is another one of those journeys and you are going to spotlight some things that might not be too pretty you are going to have to challenge your processes, and um, and that 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 can make people nervous. And so, I think um, it's absolutely key to have that mindset. And we're reinforcing that message. We're finding though that people are coming to us and asking for it, so it it is different than you know. So 10 the, the, years there's
0: definitely well, there's definitely a shift in the marketplace if your clients yes. are asking you whether or not. Uh, your technologies can help drive a sustainability Absolutely. agenda. So I think it, it's, it's quite valuable for you to be able to not just drive digital transformation initiatives, which build resilience, build agility, uh, and build a, a business that will help to weather disruption as best as possible, but actually also solve the sustainable uh, agenda. Um, and uh, in terms of the operational side of things or the process side of things, What is uh, what can what can you guys do to help organizations? um, I guess do all those things, drive sustainability, but also drive a resilience within their business.
2: I think in some ways we're we're already doing that. Um, You know, I think what's one of the challenges almost is connecting the the things people are doing today with the sustainability objectives of of the organization. There's a lot of um, companies who are implementing um, concurrent planning as a technique and as an approach mm-hmm. uh, as a way to run their organizations end to end. And that's enabling them to have less expedites it's enabling them to have to throw away less product and have less waste so they're. I'm not saying we necessarily have all the answers today, but there's a lot of things that organizations are already doing that I'm not sure they're connecting to their sustainability agenda and the agreement and 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 objectives. And that's one of the things that we are trying to work with our existing customers on is to help them communicate better internally, that they are the fact that they're already implementing and using concurrent planning. Is meaning that they are becoming more efficient and resilient, and more sustainable because of the choices that they're making, whilst also reducing the costs of the organisation and supply chain. I think that's where we want, that's where we're starting, mm-hmm. um, and then um, it's about opening the dialogue and facilitating the conversation with some of our customers who are maybe more um, leaders in this in this um, sustainability drive so that we can learn from them and we can collaborate together to make sure that whatever we're building um, for the future in terms of additional dash- dashboards on, on, on being able to measure and report more easily for them so that we can build things into our product roadmap. But I honestly think a lot of what we're doing already with um, concurrent planning is helping many organizations already drive towards that agenda.
0: I think that's, again, that's one of the unique positions that you guys have in that you're able to see people or real-life case studies that you're participating in or working with um, across multiple industries, multiple geographies, size of companies, right turnover. So the leaders, like you say, that are perhaps a little bit further down the route, road of their sustainability journey uh, or even transformation journey, um, uh, you can help see what's worked and help other organizations you know, follow along, right? Um, wh- what is What would you say is the biggest challenge right now that companies are facing with, with trying to deliver the, or operationalize sustainability in their businesses?
1: I think it's really figuring out how to measure and what to measure. So we talk about greenhouse gases, we talk about carbon emissions and water usage, but do you actually know how to measure the water usage in, in some of the machines maybe in your factory, or do you really know how to translate Um, your expedites versus your normal um, transportation into carbon emissions or greenhouse gases. Do you really know what it is you're measuring and can you translate that sort of from a before and after with a transformation? And I think that's where, that's one of the starting points is just, where do you start and what do you do and how do you know it's going to work? I'm sure Claire has much more pointed examples than
2: those. (laughs) When we don't need necessarily a new structure I think it's it's like managing any kind of major change. it needs a top down vision and a strong leadership team that can not just um, be able to articulate what they're going to do as a company moving forward externally to the market but they need to give they need to democratize decision making almost in a, in a, to enable each layer of the business to be able to make the decisions that are um, that are aligned to the corporate objectives and that requires. um, Good communication, it requires great collaboration, it requires the changing of KPIs to meet those objectives, you know when we were looking at digitalizing supply chains making them more end-to-end focused, we found a lot of organizations still had their individual operational KPIs were based in silos, even though the process and technology was end-to-end and and more transparent that way. And I think that's the same challenge we're going to face with sustainability is that we have to align each individual business unit's KPIs and the organizational KPIs to the the sustainability objectives Mm -hmm. and allow people the freedom and creativity to start collaborating in ways that they haven't done before to drive the innovations the companies are going to need, whether it's um, like SLO, finding new ways to, to buy new metal, or how do we bring back um, the, the raw materials that we need in terms of zinc and copper and things from the semiconductor industry to make sure that we're not as reliant on you know the end of the supply chain, we can bring things back in to start to, to, to make our supply chains more resilient. All of that came from you know innovation inside the enterprise that was um, enabled by that um, structure and it's it's those organizational structures that are going to prevent um the innovation required, rather than you know the the kind of top down yeah external this is what we're going to do by 2030. I think the the, the the next step the hardest step is enabling the rest of the organization to follow
0: unlocking the opportunities you know so uh, uh, like 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 the example that you gave us the moment that you are freed up and i guess that's where digital transformation plays a big part in this that it doesn't it you know because if it frees up people to uh, from the mo- mundane tasks of and repetitive tasks that, you know ai or machine learning and all these things are helping people f- get more free to make better decisions about things um what do you think th- The next few years looks like for supply chain leaders in terms of both digital transformation and sustainability? Anne?
1: I think it needs to be top of mind. We're seeing if if it's not part of their
0: strategic
1: view, they need to put it there. Because if for no other reason than uh, regulatory pressures are going to face them, doesn't matter where they're sitting on the planet, they will be faced if they want to do business in anywhere in Europe and anywhere in North America absolutely you're going to have to be compliant in new ways so it needs to be part of your conversation you need to figure out how to deal with it from a digital transformation perspective i think you know the pandemic has just exacerbated the fact that many of the older techniques that we've been using for supply chain just don't cut it anymore i mean the, 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 so Um, we've seen an acceleration and an interest in just in digital transformation in general. Uh, Yes, some folks are a little more cost conscious, so they're being very deliberate in where those applications are to ensure that they are more um, robust and resilient as the supply chain, that they are more agile and can pivot should something happen. And what we're suggesting is that you need to add a sustainability lens as part of that conversation so that you can meet these future requirements, because not only will you be required to do it, you are likely not going to find the best employees unless you do it. And quite frankly, people are not going to be interested in your products and services if you are not deemed as sustainable
0: and you are going to get access to funding, you know, investors yes. and. And funding as well. So really, it's just going to hit people in, you know, in every avenue, every way. Your consumers, your employees, your investors, your shareholders—you uh, name it. Um, Claire, what do you, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think that, and I think the acceleration is only going to keep changing, Maria. I think it's only going to keep yeah. um, increasing in terms of the speed. Um, we're already seeing it. We're seeing um, the amount of litigation against organizations that are having a negative impact on that twenty thirty future. It, it has doubled um yeah. in the last six months and it's going to continue to do so as associations and governments start to align on on laws and policies that are going to increase the well pushes all towards the tipping point where it becomes an inevitable um outcome and those organizations that are not uh and, and not changing and adapting and being agile enough will will be will struggle to survive the next 10 15 20 years of um the future that we're all walking towards. But without, I don't wanna to be too negative about it. I think there's a fantastic opportunity as well for the organizations. There's a great, there's, there's more access to capital to do the right thing um, than ever. I think government policy will be there to support organizations, collaborate in new ways. And you know, to see people like Electrolux coming up with washing and uh, Bosch I think have also got collaborations on washing as a service, this new mm-hmm. economy where we own less and rent more and it becomes more of a service economy is is, going to transform the way we all live and work, which makes it a very exciting decade, I think, for us to be living in. I think so and, too. And and I think,
1: yeah, go ahead. So, sorry, Maria. I just wanted to reiterate something Claire said earlier. An operationalizing sustainability does not mean expensive operations. You can actually go through this, as Claire mentioned, better access to capital to actually invest in the change, but you can actually have... A sustainable and more cost-effective supply chain. So the, it's not an either-or proposition, and I think that's something that's really important because, you know, we're not naive. We know that that financial motivation is often necessary to drive these types of changes. But if you wait and you get stuck in some kind of strange uh, regulatory situation, let's look at the uh, Rojas or Ross. From years ago, the reduction of hazardous uh, substances, mm-hmm. and where companies were caught, that's when yeah. it became expensive. Those that were proactive and said, "Let's get ahead of this," actually wound up in a better situation. So, I think that's something to keep in mind as folks look forward.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this isn't the inevitable. You know, we are all headed in this direction. We have to do it. But what what comes to me from from this, what I'm getting from this conversation is that it is, it, you know. You can do digital transformation. You can do it sustainably. And more importantly, you can unlock value within, within your business. And it's not necessarily gonna be more expensive. This is the time to do it. So uh, uh, no, very happy to have you both on here and chatting to us. And for those of you listening, please reach out to Anne and to Claire, reach out to Canaxis. They are definitely gonna be someone that can help you out with this. So thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank You're you so much, Maria. This was a great conversation. Thank you. And for those of you listening, we'll see, we'll see you again at the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today at transform talks. I hope you found this valuable in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.